Welcome to AEM Early Access, a podcast of the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine and the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. Conversations about code status in seriously ill patients at the end of life is unfortunately a frequent event in the emergency department. Today we're discussing a paper in AEM entitled, The Differences in Code Status Conversation Approaches Reported by Emergency Medicine and Palliative Care Clinicians, a Mixed Methods Study. Lead author Dr. K. Oji is here to discuss it with us. Dr. Oji is a clinician scientist and clinically active as an associate in the emergency department and a home hospital physician in the Department of Medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital. He is an associate professor of emergency medicine at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Uchi's research focuses on identifying older adults who would benefit from advanced care planning conversations and empowering them to formulate their goals for medical care in the ED. He teaches evidence-based palliative care communication training locally, nationally, and internationally, and he is a recipient of numerous awards, including the Paul B. Beeson Emerging Leaders Career Development Award in Aging from the National Institute on Aging, the Sojourn Scholars Leadership Award from the Cambria Health Foundation, and the Fulbright U.S. Scholar Award from the U.S. Department of State. We're excited to have him here with us today. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access from the publisher for a limited time. Dr. Ouchi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so your paper, um, it concerns the differences between emergency medicine and palliative care clinicians when talking about code status. So first, I'd like to start with some background about these types of conversations. So like I know as an emergency physician that it, it you know, at least feels like it's a small minority of seriously ill patients that have actually had end-of-life conversations with their their main treating physicians before they come in to the emergency department with their serious or life-threatening emergency. Is that feeling that I have, is that borne out by data? Yes. So I have been, I have the same feeling and I have been kind of thinking about what, how, how does this work? Mm-hmm. Well, the fact is uh, 75% of older adults in our country visit the emergency department in the last six months of life. Mm-hmm. And the number of times that they come sort of increase as they head towards end of life. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, systematic review shows that most patients who come to the emergency departments don't have advanced directives, upwards of up to like 90, 90-some percent of patients. So... That seems kind of similar to what I clinically experience when I practice, and I looked into this a little bit deeper, and what I found is that most data are from patients who are living with cancer uh, that are, you know, very serious, but basically, um, we know that the rates of advanced care planning is really low still in our country, even though there is um, reimbursement code for advanced care planning conversations. It's about 7.5% in 2016. That's one or couple, one or two years after the code had become available mm-hmm. in general public. And especially for patients with serious illness like cancer patients, um, it's been shown in literature that uh, most of them don't get to have these conversations until about like the 37 day before they die. Mm. And uh, that's just much too late. And that's why we see it 
a lot of patients in emergency department who actually has had never had this conversation before they became hyperacutely ill. Mm. And I mean, and that's despite, I mean, we would think that there is an advantage to having those conversations earlier. And there there's data su- to support that having those conversations early is helpful, correct? Yes. Uh, so it's known that patients with serious life-limiting illness who have had these conversations about their values and goals, they have less um, anxiety, they have improved quality of life, Mm -hmm. likely improved peacefulness, and they tend to use less healthcare towards the end of life. That has been known. Uh, In the field of palliative care, there is a controversy about the value of advanced care planning because the advanced care planning has been researched for decades and uh, we have advocated for, um, you know, uh, doing more advanced care planning. The, The recent controversy is that when you aggregate the data from prospective randomized control studies, it's actually not exactly clear if this has um, uh, improved patient outcomes clearly as a cause and effect uh, outcome. And the reason why this happens is because in the early decades of studying advanced care planning, all the data from those studies were observational, and um, they included things like living wills, or healthcare proxy forms, or um, these documentations of your end-of-life care wishes that um, may or may not have any clinical value. So in early days of advanced care planning, that encompassed a lot of um, studies that just looked at healthcare proxy forms or just looked at um, advanced directives or other like living wills. And that's why we think that they were like the results are kind of mixed. And when you take more recent, like uh, prospective randomized clinical trials, there is definitely a signal of positivity in improved patient reported outcomes as well as healthcare utilization. Yet uh, there's still a controversy and that's why there's a um, controversy for overall advanced care plan. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. So, okay. Well, before you launched this study, so had you observed anecdotally that there was a difference in how in-the-minute code conversations differed between emergency and palliative care clinicians? Like, what was what was the inspiration for this study? My inspiration for this study was that there was a difference between what I observe is happening in the emergency department and what I know is helpful in these moments of potential end-of-life care. Mm-hmm. For example, I still hear colleagues and trainees asking patients or families who are hyperacutely ill, for example, about to be intubated and they have multiple serious life-limiting illness, they're asking patients and families, um, like, if your dad were to get sicker and require help to breathe, does he want to be on the breathing machine? I still hear these and I used to do this as well when I was in training. And um, after years of kind of training in serious illness communication skills, I find that to be 
one thing that we can definitely make better in emergency department practice. So that's why I wanted to do this study to actually figure out whether there is a difference between how palliative care clinicians do it as opposed to emergency medicine clinicians. Very interesting. Okay. So what, what was the, uh, what were the main questions that you were hoping to answer? So I was hoping to understand the difference between how emergency clinicians and palliative care clinicians self-report conducting code status conversations. And furthermore, I wanted to understand the rationales behind their different approaches. Okay. So tell us um, briefly about your methods. So we chose to conduct a mixed method study where we do a quantitative survey of emergency medicine clinicians and palliative care clinicians, Mm -hmm. and then take a subset of those respondents to conduct semi-structured interviews, a qualitative study, and combine the results. Um, So in this study, we recruited uh, emergency department clinicians and palliative care clinicians from Boston in our affiliate hospitals. And we asked them to complete this survey about how they report practicing code status conversation in their Mm -hmm. practice. And then um, we recruited some of those participants to answer why they uh, reported the way they reported in their surveys. Can you talk a little more about the survey instrument and how it was developed? Yes. So knowing um, the difference between how emergency medicine clinicians usually conduct code status conversations and Mm -hmm. how palliative care clinicians usually conduct these conversations, I gathered experts in this area from both emergency medicine and palliative care. And then we sat down to uh, understand different components of code status conversations. And we basically created this survey and divided the survey into two uh, distinctive components. The first component is procedure-based questions. So these include questions like, does your father want to be on the breathing machine? Or if the heart stops, would you want us to restart the heart? And then a uh, second component is, is what we call value-based questions, where we ask about patients' values and goals. These include questions like, um, if your health were to worsen, what's, what do you worry about the most? Or um, what is the minimum quality of life that is uh, acceptable for you to live? things like that. And then uh, we tested these questions among new set of emergency clinicians and palliative care clinicians who's never seen these surveys before to uh, make sure that they're easy to understand and they're not misinterpreted. And then we administered these surveys to our um, study population. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your results. Uh, So among 222 emergency medicine and 50 palliative care clinicians were eligible. Looks like 206 completed the survey. You had a response rate of 76%. Um, About half of them were attending physicians and about a third of them had been in practice for six to 10 years. And then you interviewed thereafter seven emergency medicine clinicians and nine palliative care clinicians. So first, what did you find regarding 
emergency physicians versus palliative care clinicians with regard to the procedure-based questions? Yes. So uh, our main findings are that uh, emergency medicine clinicians, majority of them, reported asking about procedure-based questions, Mm -hmm. and only minority of them uh, reported asking only about uh, asking about patients' value-based questions, mm-hmm. which was the complete opposite of how palliative care clinicians reported conducting these conversations. Okay, and so the so they were more um, they asked more of the value-based questions and less of the procedure-based questions. Yes, that's correct, and those are. Results are highlighted in figures one and two of this paper. Okay. And so, okay, in the in the qualitative interviews then, tell us about the rationales that I guess mostly the emergency physicians had for asking procedure-based questions. Yes. Uh, we found that emergency medicine clinicians reported that um, the clinical urgency requires that value-based questions be skipped to quickly elucidate procedural preferences because that's what we're focused on doing in emergency. Yeah. That's the reason why they report asking about procedure-based questions. Okay. And how about the rationale for asking value-based questions? So emergency physicians um, reported that value-based questions are you know, useful yet can be vague or require extended discussion and not conducive to quick decision-making during an emergency. Okay. That was the main theme that emergency uh, medicine clinicians reported. Okay. So finally, what about um, the rationale for making clinical recommendations? The rationale for making clinical recommendation for emergency clinician is that um, they reported that providing recommendation is only necessary when explicitly requested or when the patient's wishes are not clear. That's how they sort of reported this. How about your palliative care physicians? Well, so palliative care clinicians actually say the opposite about all those three things that we (laughs) discussed. So um, first, uh, reason for um, not asking the procedure-based question is because they uh, don't really aid in determining patients' values and preferences, which are necessary for making a recommendation. And they can be misleading regarding the successes of these interventions. And um, they also report that you need to ask um, value-based questions because urgent clinical scenarios really require clinicians to prioritize certain value-based questions over others. because that's what they need in order to uh, make a clinical recommendation. And then um, in regards to providing the recommendations, uh, palliative care clinicians um, definitely think that it's physician's responsibility and take burden off of the surrogate to make a recommendation about end-of-life care. Some emergency physicians reported that too, yet most of those are reported by uh, allergic clinicians. So interesting. Okay. So uh, what conclusions did you draw from these results? So we concluded that 
emergency medicine clinicians and uh, palliative care clinicians conduct code status conversations very differently. Mm-hmm. And that um, some of the reasons were as we discussed. Um, and it's not exactly known whether one approach is better than the other. Yet, um, what I have observed over years of practice myself, as well as uh, watching other people do it, the clinical outcome seems to be better for me um, if the approach of value-based questions and recommendations were taken. Yet, um, I think most emergency medicine clinicians haven't actually experienced that. Mm, Interesting. So what do you think we should come away from this study with? And what would you like to see come next? What I would love is for uh, emergency medicine clinicians who are teaching new generations of emergency medicine clinicians, like Mm -hmm. the residents and uh, physician assistants and nurse practitioners, to be more interested in this topic so that they can teach the best practice practice um, in serious illness communications to the next generation of clinicians. I honestly believe that uh, doing value-based questions and then making a recommendation for um, end-of-life care is definitely a, a responsibility of us in the emergency department rather than asking about patients' preferences. And um, because it's just too hard for the patients or families to make a decision, we have to sort of make a recommendation for them. And um, I hope emergency medicine can uh, learn as the field to develop this skill further. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, your time and for this study. And it was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Dr. Uchi would like to refer any listeners interested in how to manage these code status conversations more thoughtfully to refer to his paper in the Annals of Emergency Medicine from December 2020 entitled Managing Code Status Conversations for Seriously Ill Older Adults in Respiratory Failure. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes at AEM Early Access, all one word. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access from the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal for a limited time. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.